Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. And I am super excited today because I am joined by Mr. Roger Santini. Everybody say hi, Roger. Hey, guys. <laughs> so you have to say hi. I mean, it doesn't yeah, really work on a podcast, right. I guess, but that's okay. Um, glad to have you with us. You're going to uh, be talking a little bit about our youth ministry. Roger is our, uh, I guess, new, I could still say new, right? New yeah, youth director. still got that new car, Yeah, new car sent. <laughs> Two months, right? Uh, Something like that. When did you start? September? October? Yeah. October? It, it's all been bliss. Yes. That's, that's what I'm remembering. For so. sure. <laughs> um, so two reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you. Uh, well, maybe three. One reason is you wanted to do it. I was going to say, like, wait a minute. <laughs> but then I realized there's two other reasons I wanted to do it. Yeah. And one of those is just wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then also just talk about sort of the state of youth ministry, the state of uh, our youth and where our kids are at and how we can uh, best encourage them and kind of come alongside parents, too. And so we had a good meeting the other day with our team. Um, just talking a little bit more about what that all looks like. So we'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's just do some like easy, low-hanging fruit, sort of silly stuff. I'm going to do a lightning round of your favorites. Okay. So we can get to know you. I didn't prepare you for this ahead of time. Not. So are That's you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Seems... you got to answer I, quickly. I'm in seminary. I should be able to handle... Well, they're not going to be theological questions. <laughs> uh, they're going to be a lot... More basic, simple questions. So here we go. What's your favorite color? Red. What is your favorite meal? Pizza. What is your favorite movie? Mm. In the last year. In the last year. That's mm. a hard oh, lightning round. Um, in the last couple years, Southpaw. Southpaw? Okay. Yes. Is that a boxing movie? Yes. Jake Gyllenhaal? Yes. Wow, I'm super relevant. I have very few movies that will make me tear up. That really? That is one that has consistently made me tear up. Wow. Yeah. Southpaw means left-handed. Yes. I am left-handed, so you're in the presence of greatness. Yeah, for sure. Um, Can you box left-handed? No, I, I can't box, period. <laughs> uh, what was... What, what's a favorite memory from when you were in either middle school or high school, since we're talking about yeah. industry? Yeah. Um, I like band a lot. Uh, it's super involved. It's, band? Yeah, school oh, band. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of really... A lot of my best memories have to do with band concerts and uh, shenanigans. Okay. I don't know if I knew this about you. No, uh, that what was a band? did you play? Yeah. I played saxophone. Do you know what well, I played? Well, I played clarinet, and then I was like, really? this is lame, and I switched to saxophone for a much longer hey, period of time. public service announcement, <laughs> if you play clarinet... You are That's not fair. lame. It's not. It's not. Kay. But you can't like get super into cool jazz music with a clarinet. That's all I'm saying. Hey, mm-hmm. is it Benny Goodman played the clarinet with some like big band jazz okay. in the 1930s fair. and 40s? Fair, fair. I don't. I I think that's who it is. Benny Goodman, I think, I is think the clarinet so. player. I uh, I too was in band. Okay. Do you know what instrument? I, I feel played? like you're gonna say clarinet. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not play clarinet. Percussion for sure. No, uh, I played the trombone. Okay. Yeah. Trombones are nasty, man. What do you mean nasty? You got oh, that slide. Yeah, what do you mean yeah. what do you mean nasty? I look no, over every right. time and a trombone player is just like emptying his spit onto yes. the floor. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Yeah. My wife felt the same. So I went to high school with my wife. Mm-hmm. Well, we weren't married at the time, obviously, but 
she played trumpet, and we were both in band, both in jazz band. Trumpets are bad too, man. Same thing. Man, clarinets, trombones, trumpets. You're just no clarinets. I just don't like the sound. I think trumpet and trombone players are gross. Okay, that's a different. Okay, (laughs) different issue. Wow. Those are Get yeah, off your that's high, probably a little, uh, little saxophone horse here. Here we go. Well, let's um, let's talk about a couple of youth ministry things. How about that? Yeah. Um, uh oh, you're getting a call. Yo, cut that out, right? <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> this is all fun. Um, obviously, we're in something called a pandemic, and yeah. uh, doing youth ministry looks different. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, let me just ask sort of a bigger, broader question. Like, what do you love about youth ministry? Why are you in youth ministry? Yeah. Uh, why do you think it's important? Just kind of talk openly about that. Yeah. Um, in it, I started, I when I first got called to ministry, um, a lot of it was, I feel like this was the role God had prepared me for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd worked with students for pretty much my whole career. Um <laughs> I was a swim instructor. Uh, I worked for, I was a caregiver for a couple of years. So it just, it felt like as I'm hearing God call me into ministry, well, this is what he has prepared me for. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got into it, it just, I love seeing young people be used by God. Mm. Um, I think in some ways it's often unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I, my favorite thing is seeing young people be being given a task or charged with something uh, and then just seeing them knock out of the park hmm. and seeing God like move a whole city through a group of young people and right. just being able to be a part of that and and seeing how powerful it is and, and how they can be used in the kingdom. Um, I just think it's a community that sometimes gets overlooked when we talk about um, what God is doing hmm. and, and how God moves his kingdom. Right. Uh, there's just a unique passion and energy that belongs to young people yeah. that God takes and just moves cities with it. And it's yeah. so awesome to see. So I just, I love being a part of that. Yeah. I think I, um, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in a sermon that oftentimes I think we forget that the disciples were probably teenagers. Yeah. Many of them were. Um, and, and I think we picture them as like old guys with beards and <laughs> stuff like that. And they yeah. may have had beards. I don't know about that, but that doesn't qualify someone being old. Um, but I, I think that's an important thing to recognize, and for students to recognize yeah. to say, "Hey, like you're in this story," yeah. As well, did you did you have that experience as a youth where somebody saw something in you, um, and sort of like called that out in you and and raised you up in a way? Um, not necessarily. I did have a pastor who spent a lot of time. Uh, I grew up in the Lutheran church who spent a lot of time making sure that I theologically. Hmm. Well, was found was solid, uh, but he also taught me how to iron. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he like he poured into me in terms of like I think you're, like a really, uh, bright young man. More so, yeah. it was just like he just kind of naturally discipled me huh. a little bit. So it was cool, and it was it like during that time I didn't realize how you, kind of impactful that relationship was. But looking back now, I can see like it definitely right. was, an important aspect my development although like theologically now I wouldn't line up with everything he taught me I, I realized there were a lot of other things he taught me sure. and important to me that were valuable so right. yeah I would have to say a little bit of mentorship I think it's it's more so comes in comes out of um, having a lot of family uh, drama and issues in that time of my life and, and kind of wishing that someone had hmm. poured into me yeah. during that time especially that time yeah. Um, so yeah a lot, a lot of why I get passionate about 
fulfilling that role is because I, I can see the impact it could have had, right. the change it could have caused during that time in my life. So I want to make sure I am open to God using me yeah. to do that in other students' lives. You mentioned uh, he taught you how to iron. Do you still iron today? <laughs> I do. Okay. My wife hates it. <laughs> okay. I like when I yeah when I wear uh, button up shirts. Got to yeah. they got to be fresh. Right. Got to be crisp. I'm <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Um, and I don't mean to take away from the seriousness of the moment, but I do. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that that's what you remember. He taught yeah. you how to iron. Yeah. And it's it's more than just he taught you how to iron. Like there there's clearly something more going on there that yeah. he decided that he. That, that that would be a skill he would teach you. Yeah. You know. It was how ironing the um, the church vestments, which I don't know. Yeah, I have audiences. a little bit of Lutheran background as yeah, well. But yeah, but there there's a lot of uh, robes, table coverings, things like that yeah, in that tradition. Yeah. So huh. that's what I was ironing. He showed me how to iron. Right. <laughs> which, looking back, I'm like, why do you trust me to do that? Like, those, right. <laughs> those are serious right. articles with a lot of significance. And right. You just gave me an iron. and was like, go ahead and iron this right. stuff. <laughs> but there was a relationship that was formed yeah. as a result yeah. of it. And I think of... You know, even the story of Jesus and his disciples. I mean, yeah, he's he. There's sermons, there's teaching, but then there's also practical things like he goes fishing with them, he has a meal yeah. with them. He's like all of the sort of daily practical activities of the everyday. Um, sometimes get mentioned, but maybe we don't always yeah. see them in scripture, or we pass over them quickly, and we forget about the very tactile practical yeah. events of the day that Jesus would have had with his disciples. And I think it's important to pay attention to some of those things today in the modern world where yeah. like we come alongside young people and it doesn't have to be this like huge, big, overly spiritual, profound, mm. deep thing um, that we do. It could simply be, we, we teach somebody how to iron or yeah. I remember in youth ministry, um, I was talking with a, a high school student. He was about to go off to college, and he had never learned about the importance of a, of a budget. And so, you know, I was just like, yeah. okay, let's let's sit down and, like, let's make an Excel spreadsheet, and I'll show you how to make a budget for college, you know, so that you can, like, have money set aside yeah. for doing laundry and, and, you know, going out to eat if you want to do that. Like, just really little things. And it was yeah. never just about I was teaching him how yeah. to do a budget. It was about so much more than that and about the relationship that was being built. Yeah. How do it, you... Oh, go ahead. And I was just saying that it's... Uh, that's another thing that I really love about youth ministry. It's like... It, oh, and there's an aspect of it where it's easy to do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like, I remember last church... Well, last church I was working at, we were building... Uh, we were doing a mud night. A we what night? Like, a mud night, like a mud pit night. Oh, And it, like, built into that, it seems silly, but built in that was an opportunity for me to just, like, text a couple of guys and be like, hey... I'm going to dig a hole in the ground and fill it with water. <laughs> like, okay. And they're like, yes, we're there for that. Let's go. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> so it's just the nature of youth ministry sometimes I think lends itself to um, doing things more organically. Sure. Whereas when you're dealing with adults who, who have busier schedules and, although that's probably debatable now, but <laughs> have more of their own like right. mindset of what they need to get done that day, it's a little bit harder to, yeah. to bring them. Whereas students, like they're ready and willing to, to leave the house to do, right. to do things that aren't homework. Right. And yeah, that's good. Stuff. That's a good point to capture the spontaneity of youth yeah. and, and being able to invest in them in that moment. <laughs> Even yeah. Jesus like, Hey, come follow me. Yeah. Okay. Or drop our nets and we'll, we'll go after you. Um, okay. Now we're in a pandemic. How do you do all? you like, clearly we're not going to do a mud pit. Yeah. Um, like how, so you came into this job while we were in full-blown, you know, COVID. 
Um, and so you, you came into it knowing that you were going to have to reinvent. Yeah. We were going to have to reinvent. How do you yeah. capture that sort of relational spirit uh, in the middle of a pandemic where you're encouraged not to be close, yeah. physically close, you know? Yeah. Um, in some ways, it's harder. We can't do more of the fun stuff. But in some ways, I think it's easier, too, because I think a lot of students right now are just hungry for any kind of relationship, any kind of connection. Um, so it, it, it lends itself to significance in the moments they may not have valued as much before. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they come on a Wednesday night and they just have a silly conversation in their small group, like that has this added weight now because they don't, they don't get that as much throughout the week. Like they're Zoom tired. They're, mm-hmm. they're exhausted with yeah. online relationship and um, things that aren't, aren't the deepest kind of relationships we can have. So like in some ways I think it does, it adds added significance. So part of my job has been making more room for those moments. Mm-hmm. So maybe set a, setting aside some of the time I speak, setting aside some of the game time just to give small groups of time to like, say hi and mm-hmm. sit in a circle yeah. and hang out. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things is, is capitalizing on the things we have built into our ministry that lead to deep relationship because they're so valuable right now mm-hmm. and the students are getting so much more from them yeah. even they, than they usually would. So, Yeah, I think, and, and actually, as you were speaking, just quick public service announcement for those of you listening who are, you live locally, um, and what I mean by locally is Canton, Westland, Plymouth, <laughs> Because um, I know we do have some listeners, I think, in Minnesota. We have one in Alaska, wow. I think. Um, I would love to know who that person is. Um, but we do, you do meet on Wednesday nights. We yep. have been meeting since yep. the fall, um, primarily in a small group atmosphere yep. so that we're not you know, having too distance. many people in one, yep. one area. Yep. And so I think that that has been, I think so, that, that, that it's been helpful for yeah. our students to come together at least for a little bit. Yeah. Would you agree that? There's been some good fruit from that? Yeah, I think there has. Uh, I think we've had some instances of students just uh, being more willing to come to us with some of the struggles they have because they're just, I mean, in some ways they're just they're desperate for help yeah. for some of the things they're struggling with. Uh, so that has been good. Um, seeing the value that students and leaders place on their time together mm-hmm. has been good. I mean, it's always been valuable. Yeah. It's always been, for me, the most important aspect of our ministry is that relationship that develops between the students and their small group leaders, but it's just so valuable and important right now. So that's that's been good. Um, and we've also seen some new people just coming back to the church, some new mm-hmm. families coming back to the church, and, and that's been really cool to see too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's been it's been good. Yeah. I think it's been hard. So I did youth ministry for about 10 years, mm-hmm. and there was always this like dichotomy of trying to figure out you know, do you do things big and crazy to sort yeah. of draw students in, or do you do more of the like, no, we're gonna hunker down, we're gonna talk through the scriptures, we're going to build relationship, um, not not to the point where you're so serious that you can't laugh or can't yeah. have fun or do anything fun, but just like, what's the level of intentionality going to be versus what's the level of production yeah. going to be? And I came from a very big church that we did do a lot of production, and, and not all of that was bad. But then I heard this quote um, from somebody once that said, what you draw them with is what you keep them with. Yep. And so I recognize that in this state that we're in, in a pandemic, you know, students are maybe looking for 
a church that's a little bit more exciting or big or has a level of production that's fun to be around. Um, and there's something to that. But at the same time, I believe in that quote that what you draw them with is what you keep them with. And if you're in a pandemic and you can't do those big production kinds of things, how do you keep those students? And yeah. I, I know we're sort of reinventing uh, youth ministry in general, <laughs> but trying. certainly here at Life Church yeah. because it's gone through um, some iterations of yeah. different kinds of, um, I guess, cultures. And yeah. that's okay. All of it's fine. We're just trying to figure out how to rebuild this culture. Yeah. What would you say to, like, you know, that, that phrase, like, what you draw them with yeah. is what you keep them with. What does that make you think about yeah. in terms of our, specifically our youth? Yeah. So one of the things that has happened and things that I've been processing during COVID is the understanding that a lot of the things that we relied on that were attractional, that were entertainment-based, that were get-them-in-the-door-based, um, well, the heart behind those things has been good, and there's not, and I don't ever want to belittle yeah. what we've done in the past. Yeah. That has worked well, but COVID blew that all up. Right, all those things are gone. Mm-hmm. So what are we left with? I think, mm-hmm. I mean, last night uh, the students were talking about Luke, uh, the parable of uh, the rich fool, and it's this man who hmm. finds he has all of the surplus of food, yeah. uh, and in the parable he he decides to build himself. Uh, bigger barns to hold yeah. all of his stuff and, and i love it because it's one of the parables where a lot of the parables like it's you got to figure out who's who you gotta mm-hmm. and this one it's not like yeah. it's not hard jesus tells right up front like a rich relationship with god is the only thing that matters and he mm-hmm. goes into this parable god literally speaks to this man and says like you're going to die today you are wasting your time mm-hmm. and jesus again just reiterates like a rich relationship with god but it, we had a discussion about like what do we treasure what do we value and i think that's something i've been processing in youth ministry is like what is the most important thing uh, because that's the thing, like you're saying, that is going to be what we present to students as mm-hmm. the reason why they should be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and also during COVID, have we placed too much value and treasured too much the things that aren't as important um, in the sense that when there's a major culture shift or a situation shift, we're not able to do those things? Yeah. So should we be putting all of our time and our money into lights and music and big bands and giant events where we rent out all the taco trucks <laughs> on the block and bring them? Yeah. Or, or should we be valuing the things that are building their relationship with their small group leader or right. their relationship with Jesus? Uh, and I think Jesus teaches that, again, that a relationship with him, a right. relationship with God, yeah. is the most valuable thing. So I don't... I guess we, we keep talking about it as a like a new form of ministry, but mm-hmm. if, if we're really honest, I think it's more of just a reshift of priorities. Yeah. Uh, decreasing the amount of value that we place on some of the tools we have used to do ministry sure, sure. and increasing the value that we place on some of the actual ministry that happens in terms of developing yeah. relationships with leaders and deepening our discipleship among our students. Mm-hmm. Um, but, because this is all against the backdrop, and, and we just talked about this maybe a month ago, um, statistically, about 10% of students hold on to their faith. Yeah. Um, it's Jeez. actually a little bit lower than that. Yeah. So uh, that's the other thing for me is like... And, sorry, let me... Yeah, yeah. When you say hold on to their faith, you mean students who graduated from high school... Yeah, stay involved in the church. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, the stats are very bad, Yeah. Um, to be honest. So, uh, you know... We really have to look at what is valuable. Mm-hmm. What is what do we treasure? What do we uphold as the most important thing? And I think my fear is what we've been upholding as the most important thing in youth ministry traditionally for the past fifty years 
has has not worked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the two things I'm processing is like, oh, what is working and uh, what is valuable. Mm-hmm. I think are the two questions I've been asking myself. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, I mentioned a book to you, and I'm I I apologize. The name is escaping me. I'm going to was it one of the Andrew Root books? No, it was Kendi Kenda Creasy Dean. Gotcha. Um, you have you have given me a list of books that I'm trying to sneak in between all my seminary books. And, oh, here it is. I found it. It's called Almost Christian. And gotcha. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's older um, in the sense that it's, I think it was written in 2008. Um, but I would say the contents are not outdated because um, so a lot of her work and a lot of, I guess, her thesis in the book is using some of the language from Christian Smith, who is a theologian writer, and he kind of um, coins this phrase, and others do too, the moralistic therapeutic deism Mm -hmm. of like the God that we're giving to uh, youth is this sort of um, God that is just just wants you to make good decisions, you know, just be a good citizen, Um, or it's therapeutic. It's just you. God is simply there to make you feel better. Uh, about yourself, about your life, about your circumstances, yeah. or deism is this idea that, yeah, there, there's a God, um, he's probably not all that intimately involved in my day-to-day life. Yeah. So moralistic, therapeutic deism <laughs> is just this like uh, ravaging sort of uh, misconception of, of God and of Christianity, what it means to follow Jesus. And unfortunately, a lot of the reasons why youth back in, I think, 2008 were walking away from the faith when they were freshmen, sophomores in college is because the, what had been built up was a pretty shaky foundation to begin with. Yeah. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head to say, we've, we've got to rethink what, what is the main thing mm-hmm. uh, for our youth. Because this is such a formational time in their lives, socially, socially. Uh, Mentally, developmentally, so, you know, all those things. And so it's really important that we're talking yeah. about this. And and when we look at what did God do with uh, young people in Scripture, right. I think that flies in the face of the yeah. idea. Because in Scripture, he wakes them up in the middle of the night and makes them prophets over to speak to whole nations and right. to kings and to right. tell the, the heads of the temple that you're doing things wrong and God is right. angry with you. So yeah. um, to not acknowledge that, what God wants from students is so much deeper than just make them feel better uh, or make sure they're doing the right thing. And yeah. It's just, it, it doesn't line up yeah. with what he does in scripture. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, and it makes me wonder um, or think about something. So uh, for our listeners, uh, we're in the midst of Black History Month and PBS mm-hmm. just put out a, uh, I think it's a two-part series at least, uh, about the black church. And mm-hmm. uh, so far... It's talked about the history all leading up to, it's just about to start talking about the 20th century black church. Um, And it really interesting, really informative. And they're about to get to probably one of the most influential 20th century uh, black church leaders in Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And um, he was young when he started. Super super young. Yeah. And... um, and just to think about his prophetic voice, mm. you know, as not only as a young person, but as a young black man in, during the civil rights movement uh, was pretty phenomenal. That's just a little sidebar. Um, 
I want to switch gears just yeah, a little yeah. bit and talk about the here and now in this moment because I think I want this, what we're talking about, to be a bit of encouragement to yeah. our parents and to youth, if youth are listening right now too. Uh, we discussed as a team the other day what we think are some of the greatest challenges uh, to youth. What would you say yeah. those things are? So we, it was good. We had a good discussion, and there was a couple of things. Um, personally, I've, I think isolation is a huge issue right now. Yeah. Um, isolation leads to sin, which leads to shame, which leads back to isolation, which, mm. you know, it's a cycle. Yeah. Um, so isolation so that, Actually, say that good. one more time, because that, that was really good. Isolation leads to... Uh, sin, sin, which leads to shame, shame, which cycles us back to isolation. Okay, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a nasty habit. And yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot of habits that students are either falling back to or developing quarantine mm-hmm. um, that ultimately are not helping them mm-hmm. um, and are getting them stuck in cycles. So I, I definitely think isolation is uh, a big one. Yeah. Um, depression, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, this much time alone, uh, this much time ripped away from everything that mm-hmm. you usually cherish and value. I mean, seniors seniors have this natural grieving process built into your senior sure. year where you get to, to grieve what is what you've been through, yeah. where you're at and where you're going, and that's all been ripped away from them. And, yeah. and to struggle with the trauma of that is, you know, those are just some of the things that really led to depression. Um, the meeting we had the other day, we had some other good suggestions too. Um, we talked about how uh, mental care, again, mm-hmm. uh, and just... Uh, we talked about how a reminder that um, students need to be checked in with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we need to be taking time to ask students, like, how are you actually doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sit and listen to their answers. Yeah. Uh, so and probably was... be patient yeah. to, to, like, wait for them to answer. Because yeah. sometimes they might yeah. not answer right away or they might yeah. not know how to articulate it. Yeah. Push past the, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, there's more. There's more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the narr- narratives was another thing we were talking about. Um, but students get a lot of narratives, mm-hmm. uh, just in general on yeah. social media, probably the biggest perpetrator of that, but, sure. uh, narratives from family, narratives from social media, no narratives from friends group. So, um, we talked about the importance of creating a narrative at home, um, of your students being a blessing yeah. Um, yeah. and how it can be really tempting right now for parents to, uh, feel like family time is super intense and, mm. and it's just, it's heavy and it's burdensome. Yeah. Um, and not that that may not be true, but um, the importance of, of being sure to, you're crafting the narrative at home, that them being home is a blessing. And yeah. that it's, it, it, and it is. I mean, yeah. I'm sure these parents have experienced some great time of building relationships with your with yeah. their children during this time. So Yeah, and, and granted, our kids are younger. They're 10, 8, and 8, so... Um, a little bit younger than, the, than mm. the age group that you're working with. And I think it's also important to recognize, like, everybody's at a different stage, uh, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. but also socioeconomically. Um, mm-hmm. Like, everybody's just got a different situation in terms of what they have access to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one sort of, quote-unquote, easy answer is to say, oh, well, like, get your student hooked up with, um, with a counselor, a uh, counselor. Or therapist or something to yeah. have them work through. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you if you can, if like if you have access to that, if you have connections to that, but also if you have time to do that, right? So like, you know, some students they might have both parents working, and it's really difficult yeah. to to find the time to do those things. Yeah. And so I think the hardest part for me has been trying to figure out how to be sensitive to everybody's so uniquely designed situation that they're in. Yeah. 
because it's just not a one size fits all. Yeah, right? yeah. It's funny you say that. I had wrote. I had kind of written down some. Wrote down. Written down. Some, <laughs> I'm in seminary. I promise. That's all right. Uh, written down some things that you, know, you can have to talk about suggestions. And one of the things I wrote. <laughs> We're down to talk about how much of a blessing the Switch is for families. The Switch? The Switch, because there's As a lot... the Nintendo Switch? Yeah, because oh, there's okay. like a lot of family games on that console that you can play oh, together sure. that I enjoy playing with my family, and then you say that, I'm like, oh, wait, but... Well, I yeah. have a Switch. Maybe that's not the best suggestion. Well, you know, I don't... Yeah. It is a suggestion. It, it's, it's not a bad it's one. one. It's one. Yeah. Our, so our family is actually um, trying to minimize screen time as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and granted, we, we chose to do the homeschool route yep. for now. We love the public school. We, um, we moved here from Minnesota and got plugged in right away to an elementary school and, um, and have loved it. And then obviously COVID hit, and so yeah. we had to adjust. But um, for now, we're doing the homeschool route. And so we're just trying to get creative. And we do a lot of board games. So we've, yep. we've discovered board Ticket to Ride, which is a, a fun game. Oh, and is it though? Hey, I, I don't need your judgment until no, you become a parent. I right? but uh, it's just funny because like I love board games yeah. and you listed the one board game that I like despise. <laughs> right, but well, it's fine. How about it's this fine. One? It's how about good this for your one? <laughs> We'll move on past your uh, issues right now. Yeah, um, you know, bring in some baggage. Catan, Settlers of Catan. I like Settlers. Settlers is good, yeah. Monopoly. Monopoly so, is good. like, we can work in some uh, yeah. um, economics and math. And one math. we've been getting into, uh, my wife and I with her family, and my family, um, Infamous. I don't know that one. Or, uh, sorry, not Infamous, villain, Villainy. <laughs> now, this is a, a Christian <laughs> So it's a, No, but it's a Disney game where okay. you get to play the Disney villains. Okay. Uh, and it's actually pretty fun. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, that you know, that just little things. I think... Um, I think this could be a one-size-fits-all. I don't know for sure. Okay. But the importance of meals. Yes. Um, regardless of what you're eating, how much, you know, everybody has to sit down and have a meal at some point. Yeah. Can you, as a family, have a meal together? Yes. And I would say if anything else, you know, goes awry, goes a little bit crazy, you're off the rails at our house, that seems to be the one thing that is always consistent is we, we at least have one meal all together at the table. We sit yeah. around and we try to talk about our day. Yep. Even though we, we know what everybody's done all day long, yeah. we still try to, um, to still talk about it, just voice it and learn how to talk about yeah. your day and articulate your feelings and emotions that you had with your day. Yeah. I feel like that could be a good, solid yeah, um, consistent tool for families to use. It's not a tool. I don't yeah. mean to make it sound utilitarian, but like, um, oh, a bonding yeah. experience for families. Yeah, and I don't think we realize how invasive uh, some of aspects of our culture, especially mm. technology culture, have become. Yeah. I mean, Jasmine and I have been married a year and a half. <laughs> it's under two me. years it's under I, two years I, I didn't know. um but we uh, we were i mean we were six months in and we yeah. had this moment where we realized like oh my gosh we're eating every meal in front of a tv oh wow yeah and we we realized like it it had just happened yeah and it wasn't I, it might have been something we started doing when we were dating but yeah six months in we just looked at each other like do we have meals like at a table anymore huh. Huh. and realized like we don't and yeah. that's an issue yeah. and like we we need to have meals together yeah. and like really cherish Time, especially with our schedules, because she, I mean, she's a night nurse, so, like, yeah. we have to be very guarded about the time we spend together, so. Yeah. Yeah, all to, to say, I think that's a tradition that we assume is a tradition, but we kind of may not realize how much, like, that has just 
been lost a little bit yeah. with technology and with culture. And, right. And maybe it's not TV for other families. Maybe it's just busyness and other yeah. things. But it's definitely, I think, a bit of a sacred space that That's good. we should reclaim. And I, I think this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, the, the, the weaving of meals and the table mm-hmm. all throughout Scripture and, and certainly with Jesus yeah. is pretty prominent. Right? Yeah. I and mean, he was... He was accused of being a glutton by the Pharisees, and it was very easy to do <laughs> right. because he had so many meals with right, people. And yeah, that was his primary, you know, place of ministry. Right, in form of bonding, and yeah. um, it's it's tactile. And and even if you can, if your kids are at this age, which you know, if you're listening, you're you have youth students in this youth ministry, they're at the age where like if you can. Make meals together, like yes. get everybody involved. Yeah. Cut, have somebody cut the vegetables. Have somebody, um, you know, boil the noodles or wh- yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Like, get them all involved in doing it with their hands. Yeah. I think there's a, a connection to your brain that you almost appreciate the meal that much more better. Yeah. Uh, that much more better. That much more, <laughs> and the time that you spent together yeah. as well. But and it's practical. They it is. hopefully will be cooking more than macaroni in college, like exactly. I did when that happened. <laughs> exactly, I have a lot of macaroni in college. Um, and the, the last thing that I wanted to touch on that we wrote in our notes, too, is body issues, um, yeah. body image issues. And I think that's that's an important piece that somebody on our team mentioned, yes. is al- already, as a, as a student, yeah. you're you're already struggling with your identity, maybe maybe your physical appearance. Now on top of I that, would go beyond maybe at this point. I think every student has. Do you think every student has at some point? I I, th- I think at at some point, and even, yeah. because I I find students who are struggling with their body issues, or students who are on the road to it becoming an issue, right? Yeah. I sometimes I meet students uh, who are athletes and they're very proud of their bodies, huh. and it's and and that's awesome. But they've also set up this system where the minute something goes wrong with their body. Like they get sure. an injury, an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Well, now my whole idea of who like, am I? Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. body's not working. Who yeah. am I? So I, I, I would go so far as to say that in this culture, it is an issue in huh. some way, shape, or form with every student. Okay, <laughs> so everybody's on um, sort of a body image spectrum. Yeah, would you say, yeah. and, and some are different levels of severity. Yeah. Well, so so there's that. Um, but then on top of that, we are on screens, we're on Zoom, we're on yes. uh, whatever platform we're using to do our communication, and you've got the image of yourself mm. <laughs> that you're looking at, and you're constantly looking yeah. at yourself, you're probably not yeah. looking at everybody else. Didn't Nate, in was it Pastor Nathan the other, or his message today said that plastic surgery yeah. on the yeah. face is like way up? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I have not partaken in that. <laughs> That's good. Um, but like... Yeah, to, to have to see yourself every day, and I, I think you can. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can like turn off your screen depending on the platform. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, but I think that that has caused some some issues as well. So. Yeah. Um, we're talking a lot of. <laughs> it maybe sounds a little doomsdayish. Yeah. Here, I think. What What would you say, to our students and even our parents who are listening to this? to provide some hope and some encouragement and some comfort in the yeah. midst of this? Um, in terms of... So the ver- I was reading the other day, and a verse that really stuck out to me, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, 
who consoles us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation which we ourselves are consoled by God. Right. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of words, and it sounds like a cycle, but it, there is a piece of this. It's a reminder that everything that we are going through, that everything that has been done to us, the mm-hmm. trauma we experienced, um, will be used by God. Yeah. To help someone else who's experienced the same thing. And I think for students, this is a time where youth communities can become so much richer because students are usually struggling with something. Mm -hmm. But there's this attitude of, I don't want to share, I don't want to be vulnerable because our culture tells us not to do that. Yeah. Um, But this is a time where as men and women of God, we can receive the healing and the comfort of God for the purpose of going into our community, specifically our young, uh, our young communities, mm-hmm. and sharing that comfort and yep. sharing like this is a great time for us to talk to people about why God is so. And it's what we've been talking Wednesday nights. A lot of the questions we've been asking lately is well, why is your relationship to God matter? Hmm. Um, are you telling people about why it matters? Is yep. it valuable to you? Yep. So that brings me comfort in that knowing that as much of a mess as this is and as hard as it is, God is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and God will continue to work, and God will do something with all of these things that we are going through, and, and has done something. He has a plan greater than all of our afflictions and our situations. Um, and for parents, there, I mean, Nate, Pastor Nathan talked about it, uh, maybe was it two weeks ago, where he talked about the uh, his message about Kitsuge, is that how you say about, it? Oh, Kintsugi? Kintsugi, yeah. yeah the, the idea that um, when we are broken and put back to, together by God, we will be stronger. So yeah. a part of this is I know it's tough to watch. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see the people we love struggle, especially when you're children. Um, but they have you and they yeah. have God. And at the end of the day, they're going to come out of this just stronger. Yeah. Re- remade with golden glue, yeah, like yeah. Pastor Mason said. Yeah. Um, so there's an aspect of this that, well, it's hard... I think we're going to see come out of this a generation um, that has been through a lot but knows how to comfort and how to care for other people because of that. So Resilience, Yeah, I think is a good word. Um, Henry Nowen uh, writes The Wounded Healer. Mm. uh, And and it's a short book, actually, but this concept that those who have been wounded Mm. but then who also have been healed and redeemed go on to become healers for others um i think there's a lot that you said that was really good it's making me think about a couple things one just real practical we do meet on wednesday nights and that is an opportunity to come in person (laughs) um for those who live locally who can get here to receive some of that care and comfort Mm. the other thing is um just you know you mentioned the cycle before the isolation Mm. to sin to shame back to more isolation Mm. We've redeemed that cycle now by the verse that you read, and not we, but Christ has redeemed that, that cycle um, to consolation and comfort. And the, mm. Christ is involved in that, yeah. and then we get involved in that process, and then it's, it's, it's also a cycle as well. And so if yeah. you take the old cycle and put that one to death yeah. and bring on the new... And even, and even as that, I think the other thing about kind of what our students are going through... The, the best way to break that cycle is to remove the shame, right? Yeah. You remove the shame and the cycle yeah. is gone, and that is what Christ does for us, what God does for us. So what if our students 
are in a time where they can set aside the shame because yeah. they look around and we're all struggling. Yeah, yep. we're all hurting. Yeah. So what if this was a time where young people could remove some of the shame of like coming forward and talking about like I'm depressed or I'm isolated or I'm struggling. Yeah. Like that could be another thing that could be really good that comes out of this. Yeah, I think the other thing too is so so you're newer on staff. I'm still technically new-ish, I guess. Um, I came in 2019 and, um, you know, was starting to get to know people, but mm-hmm. then all of that kind of uh, had to get reinvented with COVID. And so I'm rebuilding and reestablishing some of those relationships. Yeah. But I think a real practical step to give both students and parents who are listening is to say, hey, reach out to us. Like, mm. There's no shame for you as parents too, because yeah. parents are, are burnt out, man. Like yeah. they're, uh, they're trying to hold it together, trying to do their jobs, trying to teach their kids, and, yeah. and it's I get it, it's hard. Um, yeah, one of the one of the questions I was actually ask is what yeah. what have you been doing? Um, because I I work with students and I work with parents, but I am not yet a parent yet. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand parent burn, burnout yeah. in the sense that I haven't felt it. So for you, what have what are some of the things you've been doing as you you know, saying what you're saying, what yeah. are some things you've been doing to recover from that and yeah. to, to stave that off even? Um, so two things. It'll be interesting to, you know, a year or two from now, look mm-hmm. back and evaluate the, yeah. the experience. It's another thing to evaluate the experience while I'm in it. Yes. Um, but then again, I've had plenty of time to do so because we've been in this for a year now, uh, almost a year. Yeah. Um, I, and we So over the summer, we did a thing called Table Talk Thursday mm. uh, with me and Nathan and Daniel. And um, and I think a similar question like this came up. Yeah. And I answered that there's another married couple who has kids in the same uh, season of life as we do. And we're really close with them. And we FaceTime with them every night. And so once we get our kids to bed, they get their kids to bed. Yeah. Really just about every night we've sat down and yeah. and just talked and laughed and cried in a lot of cases because our daughter got COVID back mm, last spring yeah. and that was a really weird time and challenging and so just to have other um, friends that are close that are intimately involved in your life and know the details of your life to be able to have community with them yeah. even though it's digital um, was so helpful yeah so so very helpful but then also, I think, um, to give give yourself grace with your schedule. Mm. Like, I think there are a handful of families who have, who have figured that out. But I think there's still some families who are maybe trying to hold firmly to this schedule that they ha- had become so familiar with and attached yeah, to. Yeah. That if they can't keep the schedule the same... Uh, maybe they feel a sense of guilt or shame for that. Yeah. Um, and so I think adjusting the, the schedule to benefit you, the family and the family bonding time that you have. Uh, again, it's going to look different for everybody, yeah. but I guess those are yeah probably my it, best tips. And I think those are really good tips because they're, they're things we can start doing now. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast this morning. Sorry, quick sidebar. Yeah. Uh, and it was with Pastor um, John Tyson, I think his name is. He's okay. a pastor over in New York. Yeah. Um, he was being asked, like, how are you processing this? And he pointed out that um, he, he's not ready to fully process yet. Mm-hmm. And he, he compared our experience that we're going through right now um, to being in a fight where mm-hmm. you're in the fight, you have adrenaline, 
Uh, but then you get out of the fight and you realize, oh, I got hit really hard. Oh, like, sure. I am hurting very badly. Yeah. So I, I think one of his fears, and I think one of my fears, too, with students, too, is we're, we're technically still in it. Like, yeah. we're still in that high adrenaline, like, not fully feeling what we're feeling yet. Yeah. In a year, hopefully, in a year, it's, we're going to come down. Mm-hmm. That adrenaline's going to be gone. We're going to take inventory of, like, how badly we're actually hurting, especially for, for students. Yeah. Um, so the pain's not going to go away magically? No, it's okay, not. And it's shoot. probably there's probably going to be a period where we realize how, how hurting we really are. Yeah. But I like your suggestions because those mm-hmm. are things we can start doing now. And I think if we yeah. get some of those habits going now, when that time comes and the adrenaline mm-hmm. wears off and, like, we're hit with, like, how hurting we really are, like, yeah. we have people we can reach out to and we yeah. have built the com- kind of community relationships you're talking about. Right, right. And, and I would important. say, like, parents who are listening reach out <laughs> really, yeah. really do reach out and don't feel ashamed to reach out to us specifically like yeah. i think you would say yeah call me email me yeah you know, and or I'll... even ask for um small group uh, leader information yeah. like i would love to pass that on yeah uh, small group leaders would love to talk to you not yep. just your student but to yep. talk to your family so yeah we, we have to find a creative way to widen the community yeah um and the support um we have gone for quite some time, so we, have, we should like start minutes. to close this thing down. We should. <laughs> this is really good. I, I feel like we might need to do this again because yeah. um, there's some other stuff that we didn't get to that we could certainly talk about. For sure. And maybe we can make this a regular thing. Yeah. Um, I want to give some very uh, sort of concluding practical steps to take yeah. for those yeah. of you listening. Um, there's some general information. If you are ever looking to connect with us, go to our now page. It's www.lifechurchcanton.org slash now. That is where we have our most up-to-date information. Uh, we also have things that, um, you know, different courses and groups and things that you can sign up for uh, right there from the now page. Also, um, if you go to lifechurchcanton.org slash youth, yes. uh, yep. then you can find out information about Life Youth specifically, there's also a YouTube page, but that's yep. embedded, um, or I should say the link is right there. Link in, is in the page, yeah. In the page, um, because you're giving messages every week, or yep. somebody is giving a message yep. every week. And we have a weekly email too, so yep. be sure to reach out uh, to me yes. and, and let me know you want to be added to that list so that families can receive those updates What would the week? best way for them to reach out to you be? Good question. Uh, email roger.santini at lifechurchcanton.net uh, okay. and then phone number? Dot is org, not dot net. <laughs> dot yes. org. Um, we don't have to do phone number right now. Okay, yeah, uh, that's what I figured. <laughs> but but um, I also am, I love giving out my phone number via email okay. if you want to contact cool. me directly. I'll so. let you do that. Yes. <laughs> I will put your email as well as my email in the show page notes Yeah. so that when people listen to the podcast, they'll have access to that information um we are parents and students we're praying for you and uh we're trusting that that god is still comforting you and speaking to you in ways that maybe we don't even know how to do that because we we believe in the power of the holy spirit to intercede on our behalf to pray on our behalf when we don't know what to pray and um and so we pray that you are well we pray that you are encouraged uh, that god is still uh, on the throne He's still in charge. He's still king and lord of your life, of my life, of Roger's life. And um, and we are going to come out of this as Kintsugi, that uh, broken vase, broken glass, bonded together with gold. Uh, we will be refined. Any last words from you, Roger? Uh, I, the only thought I had was just share your story. Yeah. I mean, I would love... 
I would love to hear the ways God is moving in our families. That's I would good. love to share the way God's is moving. So maybe even in the comments um, where we put this, just like share your stories. So actually that's on the now page. Perfect. On the now page on the very bottom, there's a link that they can click on that says share a story. Um, if there's something yeah. you know about their story that they want to share, they can yeah. do that. We'll get that story and then we can we can share that with others. Yes. Maybe in a sermon sometime or you Absolutely. can share that in a, in a youth talk as well. Yeah. This has been fun. Let's do it again. Uh, enjoy your day. Parents, youth, whoever's listening, we'll see you soon. See ya.